The best in the West in association with Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as ever by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On today's podcast we're chatting best in the West, our search for West Cork's greatest ever sports person. In a few minutes we're going to preview the final tie of the last 16 and it's a big one as West Cork's greatest ever jockey, Noel Feely, goes head to head with Ireland's fastest ever woman, Phil Healy. Deputy Ireland Editor for the Racing Post, David Jennings will join us to make the case for Noel, while Phil's coach Shane McCormack will be on to campaign for the Ballonine woman. The Best in the West is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities we support you and while we're on the subject of access credit union i should probably just mention that my new credit union atm card arrived today and it's a lovely looking piece of plastic i was just shaking my hand there as if i had it in my hand i don't it's out in the car but i'll have it on next week's show hopefully i get five free atm transactions per month with this lovely piece of plastic here so i'm delighted with myself i feel like i've made a great little saving but i digress kieran before we preview noel versus phil do you want to give us a quick update on the state of play with best of the west yeah for all our listeners this is obviously the first week of best in the west so the last 16 has been on the go since monday and we've had some cracking ties up to now there's been um connor Horan and key cronin had a great battle on wednesday graham kenty emerged on tuesday after a gda heavyweight clash with Newsestown's Tim Crowley go back to the very first first clash on Monday Bill Daly the road bowler he scored he scored a big win over um, Declan Barron of Bantry Blues and we've been treated to some great battles on our Twitter polls all week there was Nuddy Cleary up against Jennifer Leary on Thursday so lots going on on Best in the West and um, we're moving quickly towards the end of the first the first, the first round of, of these battles and after after these last 16 ties, Jack, we'd be left with the final East. That's from this, we would crown the best in the West. Yeah, well, as Kieran said, we're getting closer to the final eight contenders. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to preview the final tie in the round of 16. And first up, to make the case for Ireland's fastest woman is her coach, Mr. Shane McCormack, speaking to Kieran McCarthy. Delighted to be joined by Shane McCormack, long-time coach of Phil Healy. Um, I suppose Phil is an absolutely incredible athlete, we know that, Shane. And just to go right back to the start, because I think it says a lot about Phil that 
Phil came looking for you to coach her back at the start, didn't she? You, you could even spot back then that she had something about her. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. So I, I, I would have, you know, uh, been friendly with um, Phil's coach at the time, uh, Liz Coomey from Bandon. Um, and, you know, we would have been in touch over, I suppose, that, that last year of Phil's junior category where she finished uh, fourth, which was a fantastic achievement under Liz um, in the European Juniors from an 11-6. Um, which I think was the catalyst for Phil to think, okay, I've, I have something here. I think if she hadn't run that 11-6 and come forward, I think maybe athletics wouldn't have been her priority, you know. So um, as it turned out, I'd, I'd had some success that summer with uh, a local sprinter from Wexford called David Hines, who won the National Senior Men's 100 that year, uh, a little bit against the odds. Um, but he came out on top against kind of um, two sprinters that probably would have been... Um, Ahead of him at the time, Marcus Lawler and Stephen Colbert. So I think, you know, we'd known each other and we'd been, you know, different coach, athlete, um, and monster squads and things like that. Um, so there was there was already sort of a, a relationship there that, as in we knew each other. But um, I think probably, you know, her success in, in Rieti at the European Juniors and then, you know, the, the success I'd had with David Hines, bringing him to 10-4 and 100, um, probably prompted her to kind of look, you know, and I think, you know, um, I think she was looking, um, you know, beyond, I suppose, her junior years and, and into the future as a senior athlete as well already at that age. Could you spot her potential from the start, Shane? And what was it about her that kind of marked her out as a potential one to watch? Um, yeah, like, she was, Phil wasn't, she wasn't prolific, like, as, as an underage, but there was just, it's just I don't know, it's, it's that X factor in it. It's just that something about their demeanour, something about their... You know how to execute a race and how to carry themselves, and you know it was just it was just it was just a vibe there that you knew like okay that there, there there's there's bits and pieces of 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 a, a capabilities here. Yes, not all developed yet, or it's not already, but like you could just see there was just something under the hood there. Um, very strong, naturally strong. I used to always to call her country strong, like you know what I mean, from where from where she's from as well. Like you know what I mean, it is as country as you get, but. Uh, that, and it's no disrespect to where she's from. I just mean it's it's she just has that tough um that tough background um that you know even when she started lifting weights properly with me after after a year like she just her strength gains were were very rapid and very uh, extreme like she's very very strong you know and, and so it was just yeah I suppose it was just that X factor yeah and over the years since you joined forces like Phil has got faster and faster and. The records have come and the personal best and so on. And we've landed to the stage now where Phil holds three national records. That's the 100 metre, 200 metre outdoor and 200 metre indoor. She's the fastest woman in Ireland. We've christened her the Belline Bullet. And I've used that countless times. Um, and I have to ask Shane, what makes her so special? And if she's like, I said, the fastest woman in Ireland, like that's an incredible title to hold. But you've worked with her closer than anyone has. What makes Phil Healy so special? So look, you hear you hear this said about every sports person and team. It's just her work rate. It's her it's her diligence. It's her it's her application of of you know professionalism to the sport. You know what I mean? Like you saw, just everybody I suppose talking about the, the Michael Jordan documentary recently. Like it was what made him what made him special was I suppose his his willingness to never say no or never to say die, and everything is a challenge was a challenge to him and it was more the challenge the more he was challenged the better he got so I, I think Phil is 100% the same like it's it's she, she strive she thrives on a challenge you know what I mean you won't ever get the best out of Phil in training you'll get the best out of her in a, in a major championships or you know national championships or a big race which is what you want you don't want 
you don't want a brilliant trainer and a, and a, and a crap racer. You want to, you know, you want a, a good trainer and a brilliant racer. Like, so, um, it's just that, the sheer determination to succeed, you know, which, like, which can be uh, like my biggest job as a coach is to hold her back, you know, make sure that the program is safe and that she, she can't run herself into trouble, which, you know, in theory, somebody with that drive can easily do, you know. There's kind of a real sense as well, Shane, that there's a lot more to come from Phil over over the, the next few years. But where does she rank now with Irish athletics? Kind of how far up the ladder is she? Is she the best Irish women's sprinter we've ever seen? Is she that is she in that position already? I would I would say so. Look, and you can work it out. You can work it out off Hungarian tables and points and things like that. But pound for pound across across the events, like she she has. I don't think to call it a national record, but it's it's an Irish best. She's a three hundred Irish indoor best as well. Her you know, she, she's number one in the 100, number two in the 200. She's number one in the 300 indoor. She's number three on the all-time 400 outdoor list. Number two on the 400 indoor list. I think she's number three or four on the 60 indoor list. So there's not, look, 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 look let's, not, let's, let's not beat around the bush. She is, she is 100% just because of her, her range over the, the three events, you know. What's her best performance so under you, kind of looking back over the years? Does any one race stand out, any one, one win? I'd say it was just the season, the, the indoor season we just left behind. Where, unfortunately, I was correct in telling her that you know this is probably your last race of the season. It wasn't even that; it was the one before that. But again, equally, it was it was the nationals backing up her her national record in that loan. I think to come back from, you know, the not to be harping on about the injury because that kind of takes a lot of focus away from her talent. But like you know, last summer was it was a blow. Like you know what I mean? In the prime of her life, running unbelievable, start of the summer, break a foot. You come back, you make a final at World Juniors, you come sixth, you run the same time three times. And then the wheels kind of fell off, although she won the National Seniors. But going to Doha that year, which was like, oh, it was a late championships, World Championships was October. Like she qualified, you don't turn these things down. You, you, you go for the experience. But she, she'd ran out of steam. She'd physically just run out of steam and, you know, didn't obviously run where she, to the level she wanted. And that, that, that hurt, that hurt. No, even though she kind of knew she was there, it's still very hard to come out of major championships because nobody... You know, Joe Punter at home looking at the television doesn't know the, the full backstory. And um, but to turn that around from October, November, December, January, February, and then to run a 200 national record, which was like her second or third fastest time ever over to, I think that really stands out for me because it it just it just shows the her character. Like it just really encapsulates what her what her um her whole thing is. Like you know what I mean. Like, obviously, Phil is in the running for the best in the West title here, and she takes on Noel Feely in the last 16 on on Monday. But if we ran this competition in another five years, Phil's probably, her, her claim to win this could be even stronger, because is it safe to assume, Shane, that there's a lot more to come from Phil Healy over the next couple of years? I really hope so, and hopefully all this uh, all this current situation, um, you know, we find a way out of this next year, and... You know, she's got European indoors in, in February. She's got world indoors if she wants in China in, in, in March. She's got, obviously, Tokyo. So, like, you'd be crossing your fingers and hoping that, you know, like, testing and, you know, the ability to travel again, all of that gets better. And and, and, and because she, she's it, yeah, she's, she's coming into her prime year. So, all she needs is a clear road. You know what I mean? We, we know what works. We just keep chipping away at that and, and, and just keeping her, keeping her healthy, you know? Great stuff, Shane. And, and you'll be flying the flag for Phil and Best in the West on social media over the next couple of days? I surely will. I'll have a, I'll have everybody in Wexford now. Um, there's a lot of people in Wexford that are very familiar with the Southern Star and yourself these days. So, oh, Good stuff. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Appreciate it. The Best in the West, in association with Access Credit Union. 
Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner. Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by David Jennings, Deputy Ireland Editor of The Racing Post. David, first of all, how's things? Good, Jack. Good, good. Sure, great weather. We can say weather like that. Absolutely. Now, I've asked you on here today to make the case for Noel Feely as West Cork's greatest ever sports person. To add some context, other contenders on the list include Graeme Canty, Paula Donovan and his opponent in the last 16, Ireland's fastest woman, Phil Healy. Now, most of our listeners will be familiar with Noel, but because he spent most of his career in the UK, he probably doesn't have the same profile as the likes of a Ruby Walsh in Ireland. So can you give us a broad sense of Noel's career and what he has what he achieved before retirement? Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Um, I suppose Noel, in many ways, is, is a very peculiar type of career that he's had because everything happened for him really, really late in his career, which which sets him apart, I suppose, from most people. You see a lot of jockeys, obviously, when, when they're, you know, turn 16, 17, they start making a real name for themselves. You know, Ruby exploded onto the scene, Barry Garrity, Paul Carberry, all these top jockeys. They exploded onto the scene very, very early, whereas Noel was a bit more of a slow burner. He always obviously had extreme talent, but it wasn't until the latter stages of his career, into his late 30s and early 40s, that I think top, top trainers started realising, God, this this guy is the bee's knees. He is top notch. And uh, I suppose what sums it up is, I think he had, in his whole career, 27 grade one wins, which is very, like, when you see the top jockeys, like, he'd be in the, just about the next tier, and, and tipping on to the, to the top and uh, I think he had 27 grade one wins and I think 20 of those 27 came from the age of 37 onwards so for a jockey to, to achieve so much so late in his career it will set him, set him apart from so many and in many ways when you go through the list of horses that he rode in his career he was the go-to man so you know if, 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 if a trainer had a stable jockey like a Ruby Walsh Paul Nichols obviously had Ruby Walsh and um, you know all the different trainers Noel was their go-to man if they needed somebody if their stable jockey was injured if they, if there was two meetings on at the same time Noel was the man to go to and when you go through the list of horses that he rode in his career Masterminded Silviniaco Conti he rode Altior one day as well for, for Nicky Henderson um, at Sandown uh, Bouvard Airy obviously won a champion hurdle on and um, you know he won a, a champion chase on special tiara and uh, when, you, when you hear horses like that you realise just how good he was and how much faith trainers had in him. And you mentioned all the big grade one winners that he had there. Which one stands out to you as kind of his most iconic? Would it be the champion hurdle on Bouverdere or the King George's with Sylvaniaco Conti or is there another one? Which one stands out as kind of an iconic moment in Noel's career? Uh, for me, I think it was Bouverdere in the champion hurdle because um, up until that, like if you go back through his, his early days, um, I think his first grade one was in 2008 on Air Force One for Charlie Mann. So he would have rode a lot for Charlie Mann early on. And then obviously he won the Tingle Creek on Mastermind two years later. But there was a kind of a gap then, you know, for a couple of years. In 13, he, he won the, the, the King George again on Sylvaniaco Conti. But it was really when, when Boover there won the champion hurdle, that's when, you know, trainers were really realizing, like Nicky Henderson, just how good he was. And I suppose that day. Um, it was a strange type of champion hurdle because um, Janworth actually went off favourite and Mark Walsh rode him 
um, and Barry Geraghty was injured. And Hoover there was a kind of a chaser who won his first two starts over fences. And then Nicky kind of Henderson seen a gap in the mark and said, you know what, this isn't a great champion hurdle this year. He had my tent or yours in there. J.P. McManus, I think, had three runners in the race that day. And Boober there was kind of one of these horses where people didn't really know how good he was. He finished third to Altior in, in a Supreme Novice hurdle. And that day just summed Noel up, I think, because it was just effortless. Um, Noel was one of these jockeys. He didn't try anything extraordinary. He wasn't a Jamie Spencer. He, he kept things simple. But he was always one of these jockeys where he always had horses in the right place at the right time. And being an, an analyst of races, I never remember writing an analysis of a race where you say, you know, Noel messed that up or he gave a horse too much to do or he got there too soon and I suppose the ride on Bouvard there summed him up because you know the horse travelled quite well he made a mistake I think four out and then you just kind of spotted him he was in the second colours of J.P. Man from the green cap and you spotted him gradually making ground and typical Noel hit the front just coming down to the last and then kicked on and beat, beat my tent or yours quite impressively and that ride on the big day obviously the champion hurdle is the feature on the day one at the Cheltenham Festival and on the big day he just had the perfect mentality. He he was he was a big race rider who didn't let a big situation get to him. And uh, that day on Bouvard Air, I just thought because it was so effortless, it kind of summed him up. You mentioned there that he was a big race rider and that's obviously proven by the number of grade one winners that he had. But in terms of all-time jockeys list, now I know this is an impossible question, but when you talk about his contemporaries, in the Irish sense the likes of Ruby Walsh Barry Garrity AP McCoy to a lesser extent where, where, where does he rank in that kind of pantheon of great Irish jump jockeys of the modern era and maybe of all time see he's probably a little bit unlucky in that he, he came at a time when the, the, the guys that you mentioned are the best ever so Ruby Walsh is the best jockey I've ever seen I'm sure if if you had somebody that was 85 years of age on here they would say best flat jockey Lester Piggott best jump jockey Ruby Walsh and that's what you're dealing with you're dealing with the Ruby Walshes the Barry Gerties, the Tony McCoys the best of all time and that is likely to, to remain for a long long time so he came around at a time when the best came from Ireland and um, I would say he's just slightly below that tier and probably because you know he, he mightn't have got the opportunities he deserved earlier on in his career I'm sure if Paul Nichols didn't have Ruby Walsh, you know, when things were going really well um, at the start of the last decade. I'm sure that Noel would have would have double trebled his, his grade one tally. But just obviously, Ruby w- was in the Paul Nichols stable at the time. Obviously, McCoy originally had a big job w- w- with Martin Pipe, and uh, then he got the JP McManus gig. Barry Garrity rode for for Nicky Henderson, and there was just the big jobs were taken. So when you don't have a really really big job very hard to kind of wrestle your way up to the very top but Noel managed to do it and the, the reason he did it was was by taking his chances when they arrived so his his you know really good riding the favours in a grade one they didn't come along every single Saturday they came along maybe every couple of months but when he did get the chance on you know a big horse like I can I can rarely remember him fluffing his lines like even that day in Alcior like it was obviously Altier at the time it was a novice chase we didn't quite know how good he was but he was a 2-7 to seven favourite that day at Sandown and again it was just kept it simple you know sat second and um, you know led turning for home at Sandown and won by six lengths it was just it was just typical Noel he just you know big race right didn't mess it up 
always was in the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, for me, it was his simplicity that 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 stood him apart from so many. Okay, well, let's just um, and finish or wrap it up on this point. Then, if you were if you were say to be compiling a list for the Racing Post, which is back in shops from next Monday, we might have a quick chat about that in a second. But if you were asked to compile a list of the top 10 jump jockeys to ever come from Ireland or top 20 is is he a, a shoe in to make that list considering like we are a, a racing country so would would Noel be in that conversation oh he would yeah yeah no he certainly would um, as I said already it, it, it's hard like like ask Noel himself he'll tell you you know he wasn't a Ruby Walsh he, he, he was he was definitely I would definitely of jump jockeys to have come from Ireland in the last 30 years, he's definitely in the top 10. Definitely. You know, his his record speaks for itself. Um, again, I would say outside those three or four that we've mentioned already, he's so, probably somewhere between five and 10, I'd say. Um, obviously, Irish people wouldn't have seen as much of him because he was based in England from such a, you know, from such a young age. Like if you go back to, I think his first, his first grade of winner was back in 2000, for Charlie Mann again, a moral support. And, Horses earlier early on in his career that he would have rode the likes of Celibate I would have remembered quite well. Um, he would have he would have won a, a hurdle race on Albertus Run who went on to win two Ryanair Chases and he actually also rode Don't Push It over hurdles as well. Uh, who went on to win the Grand National for John Joe O'Neill and you know so he was based kind of with Charlie Mann, John Joe O'Neill. Uh, he rode a, a little bit for Emma Lavelle as well um, back in the last decade. So I would say because he wasn't riding for Paul Nichols that he was probably somewhere between 5 and 10. But, again, as I said already, if he had got that really top job a little bit earlier, we could be saying that he's in the top 5. But for me, he was somewhere between 5 and 10. And, and just on that point then, uh, with the, the never landing the top job for whatever reason, just his contemporaries managed to get there ahead of him, Is is that would that be the same reason you'd put down that it was... It wasn't until his early thirties that he actually had his first grade one. He, like he was a late bloomer. Was that purely because he wasn't getting the rides at a younger age, or would there have been any other reason? Yeah, I, I, I'd say so, Jack. To be honest with you, um, I, I'm sure he'll say himself that he probably did improve um, with age, and uh, you know, the the more big rides he got, the better he got. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying he was a terrible rider in his twenties or anything like that, but we just got to see more of him. And like you, you kind of forget how hard it is to pick up these rides because there's only so many Grade One races in a season. There's only so many horses that are running in these races. All the top trainers are usually the ones that are represented in these races, and all these top trainers have their stable jockeys. So for a jockey to to worm their way into that situation of riding in a Grade One, it's pretty tricky. So it is. So it took him a while to actually get into a situation where he was getting all these big race rides. And then, as I said already, when, when when you get them, you have to take them, and he took them. But I, I think it was more the, the the situation rather than his ability that uh, that that probably kept him from from making a bigger name for himself earlier on in his career. But you know, to be doing what he was doing at the age of forty, forty one, forty two, like it's incredible stuff, really. Like I remember him winning on um, Somerville Somerville Boy in the Supreme Novice Hurdle two years ago. So it was the first race to test in, in two thousand and eighteen. Now, if anybody gets a chance to have a look at that race again, because how that horse won that race that day is absolutely beyond me. He beat Kalashnikov and Mengli Khan, and he made as bad a mistake as you could ever see two out. He really, really crashed through the hurdle, 
didn't take it at all. Then he came to the last and he absolutely clattered through the hurdle as well. He wasn't a good jumper. And Noel just gradually got a bit of momentum going and got up right in the line to beat Kalashnikov. And, you know, he did that at the age of 41 at the time. And you're kind of saying to yourself, my God. Actually, I think he was 42. Like, this fella, he must have, like, some fitness regime. And his diet must be impeccable. Because to be doing that at the age of 42, like, it was quite remarkable. Well, I think that's a pretty convincing case for Noel Feely to be West Cork's greatest ever sports person. Um, thanks a million for joining us, David. Just a quick note on the racing front before I let you go. It's back in the UK next week, which means the Racing Post is back on our shelves on Monday. Are you excited? Is there anything in particular you've been working on that you're looking forward to? And how have you found life without racing in the last few months? Yeah, it's been very strange. I suppose that a lot of people have been in the same boat in lockdown. You're kind of doing things that you never, ever thought you'd do. So it's been a similar type of story in racing as well, where you're doing features, you're doing uh, different pieces on, on stuff that if there was racing, you might never do. But it kind of makes it interesting and it mixes, mixes it up a little bit. You're not just, you know, previewing races and, and, and talking about races. You're talking about the characters that are involved in the game as well. And it was nice to give, you know, people that mightn't have got airtime if there was racing on a little bit of airtime and give them a little bit of coverage as well. But as you, as you said, like, it's terrific to be back racing and just gradually seeing things coming back to normal. Uh, racing hopefully starts off at Newcastle in England on Monday and then Monday week it's going to be off to, to Nace for the, for, for the Irish season kicking off again. So, uh, yeah, tremendously exciting. Racing post back on the shelves on Monday and uh, I suppose it's going to be a little bit like the, the Premier League season where you've got so many big games one after the other it's going to be the same in racing you're going to have all the classics like really kicking off straight away and uh, loads of group ones loads of coverage on RTE and uh, loads of coverage on ITV as well so hopefully people can enjoy that with the racing post in their lap absolutely David once again thanks for joining us the best in the west in association with Access Credit Union Access Credit Union is your trusted local financial partner Access your money 24-7 from anywhere in the world with an Access Credit Union current account and enjoy all the benefits while keeping your money local. We support local communities. We support you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with another edition. If you enjoy these shows, and I'm going to reiterate this part again, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on whichever platform you choose to listen to us on. It just helps the podcast continue to grow, and um, we're coming up on 100 episodes in the next couple of months, so it'd be great to get some more reviews and ratings. So whether you listen on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher, and as of today, Google Podcasts, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.